Hey, how's it going? All right. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry, I have to like quickly adjust settings real fast when you call me because Skype's retarded. But all right. Can you hear me? <laughs> you can. Wait. Okay. All no, right. Good. Just Brug sitting. Sorry. Go on. Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. You cut out. Are you still there? I sure am. Okay. So, All right. we have uh, a challenge, which uh, we've talked about uh, sort of face-to-face. -face. And it may be a challenge, it may not be, but you have uh, an interesting or exciting problem, which may or may not be a problem, with the question of vanity and looks, right? Uh, yes. As far as I understand it, it's like, if she ain't pretty, she ain't getting the position. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's always been a kind of um, first requirement for me at least to engage them uh it it's never been a thing that um it's never been a thing that keeps my attention i mean unless you know there's more to the person but uh but yeah certainly it's always been like a an inhibiting factor for me meeting people and of course it wouldn't be a problem if it was working for you right like if you were meeting quality women that uh, you know were 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 beautiful and also wise and virtuous and, and right? I mean, the problem is that you kind of been drawn into a happy pit right oh yeah if there <laughs> if it was uh yeah if i was finding some quality with that i i suppose it wouldn't be a problem but that's not it's not what's happening and so what would you define as a solution problem um well, I'd imagine I, I <laughs> it's the uh I don't know, it's hard like in the in the in the form of a solution, I'd imagine it would be um I don't want it to like be I don't want it to be like a mere contentness. I, I, you know what I mean? I want it to I want to <laughs> you know that movie Shallow Hail? <laughs> or do I ever? Yeah, no, I thought that was, I thought that was the truly great comedies. Uh, earlier this uh, this decade, right? I, I thought that was a great, great film on many levels, but except it, for the test dog. Yeah. But anyway, right. go on. Right, right. But yeah, it's like it's that kind of thing. Like I honestly, I mean, like the weird thing about that movie was, um, I mean, he still saw beauty, like, uh, but it was from their personality. But it, like, I guess in the end, it, when he found out what they really looked like, it was enough, you know. It, it didn't it didn't phase him but uh i don't know this is like a really elusive thing for me because i don't know any better i don't know what the other side's like i don't know if you know what i mean I, <laughs> i'm truly lost in this sense like i know um i i mean if if i go out and uh and y you have i don't know it's just for some reason, physical beauty is like the one lure that uh, I find myself gravitating towards, and right. Uh, right. and it feels like it's a necessity. That's how it feels. It doesn't. I don't know. It's you know. I don't. I just don't know any better. Right. Right. Now, the the first thing to understand is that. This is not uncommon, right? I mean, <laughs> you are not alone, right? This is not. Oh, right, right. And just about everybody bullshits about this. 
right? Just about everybody bullshits about this. And I'll just sort of give you two examples. And I'm not saying that you're bullshitting about it. I'm just saying in terms of everyone says that, uh, that looks don't matter, but that's not how they act, right? So, I mean, in, in the movie Shallow Hell, Anthony Robbins, a.k.a. Banana Hands, which I thought is a good description, uh, Anthony Robbins <laughs> says, you know, you should be into more than looks, Shallow Hell. My wife, for instance, is a wonderful, wonderful person, blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, when you look at a picture of Anthony Robbins' wife, she's a blonde bombshell, right? right. <laughs> so everybody lies about this, at least almost everybody. There was a Dr. Phil where they were talking about, you know, looks aren't important, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, of course, Dr. Phil's wife is one of the most attractive women in her age group, right? And, yes. Um, and then they, uh, they bring his, uh, his, his son, who's very good looking, his eldest son, went out sort of pimped up to look kind of crappy, right? And uh, uh, people treated him badly versus when he was sort of looking good and so on. And uh, <laughs> so they, you know, looks aren't important, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, and he's just gotten engaged. And they pan to the picture of his fiance, who is a blonde bombshell, right? So everybody lies about this stuff. There's very, very few people who say looks really matter. Uh, everybody says they don't and then acts uh, it completely differently. Because women, women say looks shouldn't matter. And then all they do is buy magazines with uh, pictures of Good supermodels. <laughs> right? and, then, right. and of course, you say, looks, looks don't matter, everybody says, or they shouldn't matter. And then when you go into a department store, like the entire ground floor is a hellish shrine to female vanity, right? Or female necessity, depending on how you look at it. But it's all perfume and makeup and primping and eyelashes and all of the bizarre cyborg stuff that women do to pretend that they are <laughs> look different than how they actually look. So, so th I mean, you're not alone. It's not a bad thing. There's strong biological reasons behind preferring physical attractiveness. Uh, so this not, it's not a weird problem. That's sort of what I want to say. Yeah, I used to, um, I used to actually go out on a limb to justify it before, like a few years ago. Um, a friend that used to live around here, me and him used to argue about it, and I was... I was, <laughs> let's say I persuaded him in the bad side. I, I got him to think that it was a requirement to have have pure physical attraction for the person that you, um, well, at least initially. Like, I was, like, all those biological arguments was kind of my, like, comfort zone. Sure. And, uh, and like, I, I guess I kind of, I just know better. Like, deep down I know better, but I just, like, it doesn't always feel like that, you know? Well, sure. Well, sure. And um, I, I, do, do, I mean, there's a couple of ways we can approach this. I mean, I can sort of slice and dice the concept of beauty as, as I see it, but uh, it may be more useful for me just to get a sense. I mean, you, you're, you're a physically attractive fellow and your sister is physically attractive. And I'm imagining that that doesn't come from the parents who are like the ugly side of the hunchback of Notre Dame. So my guess is that you come from a fairly photogenic family. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone in my family is kind of like that. I would also say that in the Christian world, photogenic is godly. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, and the reason that I say that is whenever you see these Christians on television and so on, they always have a kind of look. You know, that, that all-American, vaguely apple-cheeked, white-toothed, you know, confident, cocky grin and... And those dewy eyes, like there's a real look to the public perception of Christians. Christian, Christians uh, in the media are uh, very, very 
strong advertisement at a physical level. It's very, very shallow, but it's very deep in the Christian culture. Right? You don't see a Christian uh, with pimples as a preacher. You don't see, uh, except in the black community, you don't see fat preachers. Right? You, you see these uh, uh, you know, fairly all-American-looking, square-jawed, craggy-faced or craggy-eyed kind of, of, of people. So there's a strong photogenic aspect to Christianity or a strong sort of physical attractiveness advertising aspect that your family must have been pretty heavily wrapped up in. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> it's like it makes me think of seven have, Seventh Heaven when you say that. Michael Landon, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. the ultimate bouffant, you know, big head Christian dude. He's got those those twinkling eyes, those that craggy smile, or I guess he had, right? And and that's how Christians really uh, present themselves in in public. So, uh, and your family, as a very attractive family, must have been quite a coup for uh, for the Christian community, for the the uh, Jehovah's Witness community. Yeah, um, you're definitely treated different uh, in the churches. Um, me, for example, I used to get uh, I used to get hoard out to go out and service with people. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Can <laughs> you just just for the people who don't understand what that oh, means? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That a little bit, so you won't like rent it out to to Catholic priests. So just so people understand oh. what that means. Yes, I apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, witnesses, they go out in service, which is go door to door. They knock on people's doors, as you all know, I'm sure. And uh, and when they would meet up for that, um, when I was younger, I used to get tossed around to go with people um, to be the little cute kid who would give people Watchtower and Awake magazines. And uh, I remember being kind of bitter about that when I was like 13-ish when I started not going anymore. <laughs> so, Whereas, of course, if you had been an unpleasant-looking child, you would not probably have been asked to do that. Oh, no. Um, I, part of the reason I noticed it was because of the other kids who, um, who, who I grew up around. Were, it was the exact opposite for them. They were kind of like the pawned-off kids to go, <laughs> to go, and they would like stay sitting in the van the whole time. Right, right. And, uh, Right, pretty kids front and center. Ugly kids get back in the van. You can't. Be no, it really, it, it really was like that. Cause oh, I, I used to get, I used to hate it. Cause I, I didn't want to go knock on people's doors, and they got to sit in the van, and, uh, and I would get guilt tripped if I didn't go out and, and do that. So, uh, and this it was of course is from a group that claims that the body is, uh, is the tool of Satan, and uh, it's one's spiritual life that counts, and blah 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 blah. Right. Right. Exactly. But Christianity, of course, fundamentally is an, is an incredibly shallow belief system, as all religions are. I mean, they're just in, it's because it's fantasy, right? So it's incredibly shallow. Uh, it is to philosophy as uh, dominatrix is to love, right? So, or to sexual love. So uh, it, it is an incredibly shallow philosophy, fundamentally, and you get this very quickly when you talk to Christians about anything of depth. And uh, so it, it doesn't surprise me at all that you, as the attractive apple-cheeked kid, would be sent out uh, as a manipulative bait for uh, people to, you know, the kid that no one can say no to, right? Oh, for sure. Um, what, happened it's always... what happened with your sister in this regard? Oh, she, um, well, most, uh, most witnesses who keep going past, you know, the teenage years, um, they end up getting married really young. Sure. And uh, they end up getting divorced really young. And uh, she... 
my sister got married when she was 17. Yeah, and uh, then she got divorced probably, I think, five years later. With the guy older? Six years later. Yeah, he was only a few years older, though. I think he was uh, maybe 19 or 20 at the time. Well, of course, one of the reasons that people get involved in religious communities is the harem aspect, right? That you can get delivered up impressionable young girls who don't know any better for your marrying preferences, right? So. Oh, completely true. And uh, and as far as she goes, um, she always had. I mean, she was involved in it a lot longer than I was. I I like I stopped going when I was thirteen ish, and then there was a few times uh, where I would feel guilty and go back for like a month and then not be able to handle it and stop and uh but she ended up staying around a, a lot much longer and um as far as I'm not I never I didn't really hang out with her that much in my teenage years and uh and we didn't go to the same like place cuz she was actually like one of those she was a kind of <laughs> an ugly duckling kind of kid like she was one of those girls who turned 13 and off, the, it, off it, come the glasses, and it's like, ah, right. No, that, that's exactly what happened. She used to have these big, you know, bottle. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I don't know. And then her teenage years came by. She looked completely different. So, um, so I she know was one I'm, of the kids in the van, right? And then she was front and center. Is that right? That is, that is very true, actually. Ew, um, ew, 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 ew. But go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, so I... As far as I don't know, I couldn't give you a lot of like personal examples for her, but I do know. Um, as far as like the the teenage little social circles go, um, vanity is so bad, and in, in, in those little cliques, I'm talking yeah. like you'll have complete groups of like thirty kids who are all like very good looking, and. Uh, and then you'll have the ones who aren't kind of in their own clique, and you have that with the Jehovah's Witnesses a lot. Oh, yeah. You can call it their own clique, like they're choosing it. It's like, right. <laughs> you know, it's like calling a planet a sun. But, but okay. So, so there is this strong vanity. And of course, that, that would be, right? Because they're, they're a chosen people, and God loves them, and, right, and all this kind of stuff. So, um, so, so there is that aspect of things. Now, what, did you go through? No, you know what? Never mind. You, you continue with this story. Let me, let me not ask any more questions for now. What do you mean? I don't know. I, I didn't really know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me ask some questions then. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> so your relationship was that physical vanity is an inc- – sorry, physical appearance, being good-looking, is a very strong coin socially, right? Like it gets you advantages, but it also gets you significant disadvantages too, right? Like there's times when you would have much preferred to be the kid in the van, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And – uh and also in in school the the problem was even though like I, I was a Jehovah's Witness going through going through um, elementary school and uh, middle school and uh, not so much the half semester in ninth grade I spent but um, before I got homeschooled but uh, in in school because I was a Jehovah's Witness that was grounds to you know like mock me and make fun of me and but at the same time because of the way i looked and the way i i suppose i handled myself i didn't get completely mocked it was like like they wanted to but then they didn't and you know what i mean like it, it, i didn't give them the the full cue to just go all 
go all out on me like um, other Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness kids probably went through in, in school. Right. Now, it may be possible, uh, and I've talked about this in podcasts before, it may be possible, and I would put it more on the side of probable, though you, of course, know better than I do, that it wasn't the way that you carried yourself that helped you avoid. It was because you had the coin of good looks that you were able to credibly carry yourself in a different way. Like if you'd have been a fat, ugly kid, no amount of sort of noble bearing would... It, it, you'd have been even mocked more if you'd have tried to do the noble bearing kind of thing, right? Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I th you're right in that respect. It, it definitely... Yeah, I would say the root cause was my looks. Now, can you tell me what your sister's relationship to, uh, to looks is? Um, very, very... And we've talked about this a lot, actually. Um, she she's very vain, and she she does have the shallow capacities, and um, similar to my mom. I love that and, shallow capacities because you know shallowness <laughs> is more a lack of capacity. But <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, she um, and we were talking about it, and uh, she is like she's hilarious, and she's very. She's very goofy, and she she has a lot of uh, personality. And we were talking about that that uh, she thinks a lot of it came from when she was younger, and uh, and not so much on the good looking. And she she even said that when things changed for her, she feels like she lost a lot of herself. So, um, but she's still very very much a slave to it, and uh, whereas. I mean, she doesn't go out unless she's dressed to the nines almost, you know what I mean? And what is, um, what is her relationship to people who don't happen to be blessed with her looks? Because as she knows, it's purely accidental, right? It's not like she earned it. It's not like she got a PhD in haughtiness or whatever, right? And oh, I right. promise not to talk in any inappropriate way about your sister, <laughs> right? But, but I mean, it's not like she earned it, right? So what is her relationship to the people who are less attractive? Um... She doesn't really have many relationships <laughs> with uh, people who are less attractive. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. So this, believe it or not, this is massive progress, right? Because we're getting to... The, I mean, the reason that you have this, this challenge is because you are in a system of uh, discrimination, right? And it's more than just like, oh, I like pretty girls, right? It's, it's a system that is widespread that was... Uh, that you were embedded in, right? Like, and again, to, to take a silly example, no kid just grows up and says, I don't like blacks, right? Just, but what happens is they're embedded in a system of discrimination that becomes part of their personality. And what happens is the only way they can avoid the ugliness of discrimination is to avoid blacks, right? Oh, yeah, I see. So you are embedded in a system of discrimination based on looks, right? Yes, I can actually. <laughs> um, the the black metaphor is kind of funny because my dad uh, is was kind of racist. <laughs> right, Maybe and as long he... as you don't sorry, as long as you don't bring a black kid home as a friend, you can not your face is not going to be rubbed in the racism, right? Right, right. So when people avoid blacks, mostly when at least when they're younger, what they're avoiding is seeing the ugliness of their parents' bigotry. It's not that they hate blacks; it's that they don't want to see how ugly their parents are. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. So you still hang with your sister, right? Because I remember you posted a picture of you guys at a Halloween party. Yeah, um, I, I, I spend time with her uh, every once in a while. Uh, not too, too much. I, I like to see my nephew. Um, 
like I'll, I'll help watch him if she has to work late and then sure. that kind of thing but uh yeah and I mean, it sounds like you guys have a fairly decent relationship there's no no criticism on my part from that right i mean you enjoy each other's company and so on right yeah yeah and uh and and something she she told me and and something that <clears throat> uh her fiance told me um was that she she's a lot different around me she's not the the crazy vain person <laughs> she she uh and I, I notice this too. A lot of her personality comes out with me around, but um, a lot of our relationship revolves around um, talking about philosophy and actually sure. doing doing something doing something with it in your life. And we didn't have that relationship until we had that. Okay, and, uh, so tell me what would happen if uh, we'll work from the outside in because we're talking about shallowness, right? So it's usually good to work from the outside in. Right. What happens if you introduce a homely girlfriend to your sister <laughs> um, oh you man, know this one right there's nothing I mean that laugh tells it all right so <laughs> why don't you be clear about what happens oh what happens is uh, what are you thinking like that, what, that's you what happens why are you slumming it you could do so much better than that right exactly right so when we talk about and what would have happened if you were uh, a kid and you brought over an ugly girl to play with that you were friends with Probably the same thing. Right, from your parents more so than right. Right? Like right, we right. have we have an image to maintain, son. We 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 can't have this this uh, homely people uh, clouding up our imaginary family portrait that God can see and whatever, right? Right. Right. So so you avoided the ugly kids because you wanted to avoid the ugliness. Like you avoided the physically ugly kids because you wanted to avoid the spiritual ugliness in your family, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, and I can I can see that with my other siblings too, because there's three others. There's uh, I have a brother and a and uh, an older older sister. And, and looks wise, you guys are like the the Mormon, the, like the Osmonds for the Mormons, right? Like the big advertisement. <laughs> yeah, big yeah, teeth and talents and ha ha ha! Aren't we having a great time? And you should pay ten percent to our church too, right? <laughs> yeah, you could you could say that. Um, even though we're the more dysfunctional family of the of the church, um, it's so. Oh, you don't know that, right? <laughs> you guys well, are <laughs> the dysfunctional they have. <laughs> probably true, probably true. But uh, I mean, we're probably the one family that showed it. <laughs> okay, so so I mean, if, if you want to, I mean, you didn't wake up one day and just say. I'm not going to be attracted to ugly people. Now, of course, we'll, we'll get into the biology and all that in a sec, but, but it's important to understand that the only way that you could avoid seeing the ugliness in your family, their vanity, their hostility, their shallowness, their, like, all of the really, and it's really gross, particularly for people who claim to be all about the soul, it is really revolting to see this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of, because you get, not only do you get bigotry, but you get hypocrisy which is even worse in many ways. Like, it's one thing for some crackerhead to say, I hate blacks, right? But it's quite another thing for uh, someone to say, all men are brothers, and we, you know, skin color means nothing, and then secretly shun and hate blacks, right? Oh, right. And, uh, uh, yeah, and the flip, the flip side to that is, I mean, you bring home a pretty girl, then you're praised. Sure. Sure. So. so with your parents, what was even more revolting than their bigotry against physically unattractive people 
was their proclamations of spirituality, right? Oh, definitely. Um... <laughs> right, we're like, all beautiful. I, I think... We're all made in God's image. Wait, wait, that kid has a pimple. Get him out of the backyard. It, yeah, it was it was taboo for sure. I mean, you'd have to go through those lessons of it. And even my mom, I guess, like, now that I think about it, even everyone my mom hung out with was was fairly attractive. Uh, I can guarantee you that this goes top to bottom and back to front, right? That uh, people who don't value themselves fundamentally as individuals, and you can't just make up a value for yourself. You have to earn it through virtue. But people who feel like, I'm not enough. I've, again, I've talked about this before. I'll just touch on it. I have to be me plus something. Like, I'm not a good person fundamentally deep down because I'm shallow or manipulative or hypocritical or, you know, whatever, um, mean or false or, you know, I'm a coward present, pretending to be a, a, a warrior or whatever. Um, so if, if you don't feel valuable deep down, then you have to manufacture value, right? And the manufacture, the people, the things that people manufacture as value you know, money, looks, fame, uh, talent. Uh, I have to be me plus whatever, right, to, to be able to, to have value. And, of course, you can see this in your parents where they say that uh, to be alive is to have value. You are a soul created in the image of God. God loves you for who you are and doesn't matter if you're ugly or old or, or fat or bad skin or, you know, squint-eyed or hair-lipped or whatever. And then, of course, uh, but they, they can't actually live like that because that's all just a load of nonsense. So they have to... Um, under the table, create value, right? And they do that by uh, associating with pretty people, by being attractive, by being hearty, by being by having the endless, constant public advertisement that that your family sort of had going on at all times. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Hello. Okay, sorry. Uh, there you come um, in slowly. I um. Sorry, you're very quiet. Did you change something there? Um, is that better? Or did I? I don't think I did. Try again? Alright. Oh, okay. okay. Um, even with, uh, with my family, we didn't, at least I, I didn't have, like, cousins who I hung out with or anything, but my mom would hang out with her family quite often. And, uh, I know I went to a family reunion and I saw these people I didn't know. <laughs> and I didn't know why. And... <laughs> Now I know why. My mom the only, ugly ones, right? They were the ugly ones. My my mom would only hang out with her sisters who were good looking. <laughs> right. So so <laughs> as you can see, your um your fear uh, or hostility towards or um uh, avoidance of ugly physical ugliness is really an avoidance of spiritual ugliness, right? And it's, so you're not avoiding ugly people in the flesh. You're avoiding your parents and, to some degree, your sister's spiritual ugliness in, in the soul, right? No, I can see that now. Um, that's very – I suppose that feels counterintuitive, but I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Right. Uh, you're, you're, you're managing the anxiety of knowing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, uh, if you found some woman who really made you laugh, who was, you know, bright – and so on. And, and here, let's, let's jump briefly into some aspects of appearance that are important, right? That are important. So, um, again, uh, this is nothing that's particularly shocking to, to me. Uh, sorry, to anyone who's sort of listened to podcasts, but, um, you know, extreme obesity is usually not the sign of a mentally healthy person. Right. 
right? I, I don't mean like, you know, five pounds overweight as you age. Lord knows I couldn't say that. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, w when you're talking about somebody who is, you know, bulimic or, or whatever, or, or extreme underweight is anorexic, I mean, this is a sign of a severely disturbed personality. So from that standpoint, that's, um, that's important. Somebody who doesn't take any care if they're grooming at all, even if they're of sort of normal weight or within a reasonable range of normal weight, but they don't take care if they're grooming at all, like, I mean, they smell and, you know, their, their hair has never seen a comb and, and so on. That is also probably the sign of a kind of disturbed personality. Uh, so uh, somebody who's got, you know, they look like they fell down a flight of stairs where, uh, holding a tackle box and got so many piercings that they, you know, they basically be picked up by a car magnet, right? Those kinds of people also, again, may not be, or at least I would say would not be on my top 10 list of people to get involved with. Um, there's also, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, of normal weight, not pierced and so on, but is wearing a t-shirt that says, fuck the world or something like that. Right. Um, or, or has a United Way logo on a t-shirt, like whatever it is that's particularly horrifying. Get one in. That's uh, just one. Just, that's all I'll do. Right. But, um, you earned it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. So, uh, so, so there are physical markers that, uh, don't. That, that, that can be a warning sign that are important to recognize. Um, but, uh, you, you know, what we're talking is, you know, somebody of, of reasonably normal weight who's got, you know, decent hygiene and, you know, is wearing reasonable clothes, not pierced or studded or tattooed to the nines or whatever. Uh, that, that kind of stuff, uh, it, it is based on appearance, and appearance can also tell you a lot. There's a certain amount of, um, uh, of posture and eye contact that is also, I think, relatively important right so if you you know some woman you meet at a party is slumped over staring it can't raise her eyes to meet yours mumbles and whatever right then this obviously <laughs> is an advertisement for somebody who may not have like who's going to be high maintenance right because they their self-esteem is not self-sustaining right so there's a certain amount and of course then you've got the guys who've read every book you know hi <laughs> you know like they <laughs> crush your hands like a vice and stare at you without blinking until you just want to throw sand in their eyes or something uh, so you know some somewhere in the middle is usually <laughs> right right good you know the quality of someone's laugh you know this and that but things like height uh you know breast size uh, hips uh, figure as a whole uh, hair uh, you know, quality, quantity, thickness, curl, color, or whatever, right? Um, the size of eyes, the fullness of lips, uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. I mean, and, and shape of face, right? Women have no control over that, right? Fundamentally, you can't will yourself to be taller or shorter unless right. you're going to go, I mean, into platform shoes, and you can't will your boob size unless you pay someone to put those milk bags in your tits, uh, <laughs> which is not a good idea, right? And I certainly would not feel, feel too comfortable with somebody uh, who had gone down that road for anything other than the most extreme medical reasons. But so, so there are certain physical markers that are important that I think can tell you a lot about a person. But, so I just want to, wanted to put those to one side. Uh, there, there's another aspect as well, which is, of course, that physical looks are all about fertility and, and making babies, right? There's a reason we have a sex drive, and it's not because not to build up our forearms when we're teenagers. Uh, so uh, so it, it is also important to recognize that you know, a 90-year-old woman is never going to be as attractive as a 20-year-old woman, right? <laughs> so that's just sort right. of basic. There's also uh, the basic reality that, that acne is not as attractive as clear skin and never will be, right? Uh, and and so there's certain things that that uh, are just part of what you have to sort of get recognize in yourself as a biological male that 
the reason you have these sex drives is to procreate, and they are going to be aimed at the healthiest-looking woman around. And even features are a sign of genetic strength, and, and full hips and full bust is a sign of being well-fed, and you know all that kind of stuff. So there's a certain kind of fertility that does drive, at a biological level, that does drive our mating instincts. And of course, the average life expectancy was like 20, right? So, so the purpose of our biology is to uh, make babies that will live, right? And it's a scattershot approach. And we all have that, you know, hunter-gatherer, sprayer of semen aspect <laughs> of ourselves, right? Honestly, it's like, you know, well, I'll, right. I'll just, you know, basically whack off in every hole I can find, including <laughs> rabbit hole, and hopefully something good will come out of it, right? And um, so, so there is that aspect that we need to recognize and understand in ourselves. But unfortunately, matching that aspect to hopefully a 50-year marriage where you get old together and <laughs> that doesn't work, right? It's sort of like saying, well, you know, we are drawn to fats and sugars and are not so keen on vegetables, and so I'm just going to eat cake, right? I mean, th th we have to recognize that we have a certain longer-term strategy that we have to encompass now as, as human beings, that we live for a lot longer, that the marriages hopefully will be a lot longer. And of course, most, uh, you know, most people weren't around to raise their children to adulthood, right? And you just didn't live that long. That's why it took a village to raise a child. The parents kept dying, right? Whereas now we have children and we are going to raise them for the full 20 years. So there are other criteria other than whatever physical stuff turns you on. I mean, the woman has to be a good mother. The woman has to be a good companion. The woman has to be loyal. She has to be trustworthy. She has to be faithful. She has to be whatever, whatever, right? So we have a certain kind of biological wiring that no longer matches with the longer-term objectives that we have uh, in the same way that we have a biological wiring to try and get something for nothing, which works in a primitive society where scarcity is common, but does not work at all in a society where scarcity is uncommon, and we need to negotiate for the long term, if that makes sense. No, no, I, I see what you're saying. So, um, so whereas we're kind of biologically set up for survival, um, I mean, nowadays with, with the way things have changed, uh, our concern would more be happiness. So... I, I think if I'd have put it that way, we could have saved three minutes. Probably. Good for, <laughs> good for you. Good, good for me. I no. appreciate that. <laughs> Anything that helps. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So, so, so that's just something to, to recognize that, that you have, a, as, as all men do, and women too, right, a natural drive towards you know, fairly immediate procreation with the most fertile female in the vicinity, right? Hopefully human, but uh, people are known to be less picky. Um, there's some Venus flytraps that have been most cruelly violated throughout the course of human history. But, um, uh, and that is part of your drive, and that is part of your desire, and that is part of your nature as a sexual being, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you just don't want that to, make, to be the criteria with which you lay down the foundation for a lifelong partnership, right? We all have that, 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 that person or that woman that gives us a real sexual zing, right? Like she walks in the room and it's just like, honey, your shoe is untied, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Slide up behind. Right, right. And we, we all have that person that we frankly just want to mount, and, and it may be more than, than one person. But, <laughs> but uh, of course, that is not the decisions that we're going to use to make uh, longer-term life partnership choices because, of course... In the modern world, if you get a woman pregnant and she doesn't have, like she, she, and she comes to term or whatever, right, then you are in for a lifelong, like a 20, 20 to 25 year obligation running into the, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars 
and that's just with one kid, and that's quite different from, you know, hope I procreate before I die of tooth infections at the age of 17, right? That's, it's a very different situation that we live in now, and we just have to extend our time frame into a longer-term scenario, which means that we have to enjoy the sexual impulses but not let them dominate our thinking from that standpoint. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, so. It, it, when you when you talk about seeing yourself uh, like like living in the future, kind of thing, the, the, is that kind of thinking help in that regard? Well, sure. I mean, a good antidote to uh, whatever your particular sexual turn on is with women, a good antidote is to look at the woman and imagine placing your precious child in her hands, right? I mean, that, I mean that's not exactly the biggest turn on in the world, but that, of course, can help you make more rational decisions. Because what you want to do, assuming that, and it seems like you would want to do this, and you let me know if you don't, like if you want a family and kids and to ha oh, have all of the pleasures of, of fatherhood and so on, that you want to work back from the ideal mother of your children. And that, that does not mean a desexualized woman who is a birthing and feeding machine or anything like that. What that means is that you want to uh, work back from the virtues and the patience and the, the capacity for affection and also the capacity for good humor. I mean, I can't tell you how fundamentally important it is to have a woman who is good humored around, just as it is for a man, right? Because life is full of stressors and you can either laugh at them and roll with them or you can fight them and get really bitchy, right? And so finding a woman, you know, who's got a good sense of humor, and that doesn't mean that she's a you know, stand-up comic, but she, can, uh, she enjoys the challenges of life, she rises to meet them, and so on. All of that kind of stuff is so fundamentally important, because it's one thing to eye the woman with the deep cleavage across a party, but it's quite another thing to have the baby wake up for the third time in a night when you both have to get up early, right? How the woman is going to handle that situation has a lot more to do with your happiness than, you know, does she look good uh, in a halter top? So, so are you trying to tell me that I can't just flip a switch? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to actually work at this. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, Did you get podcast six six six? Just flip a switch that makes exactly. All <laughs> <You've done it. laughs> so uh, that's that's the 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 see in in my head. I I want it to to be like the shallow hell scenario. Like I I don't want to even. Like I hate the temptation. I hate the like <laughs> with all the challenges I've had to face. This this one seems like the the tougher of of the lot. Well, look. First of all, I mean, there's a couple of practical things that you can do, right? Um, where where is it that you meet women currently? Other um, than uh, on the FDR chat rooms, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, By the way, I'm Bambi. Sorry, go on. I'm, oh, I knew it. Dang <laughs> Sorry, it. I can't make that's, it right. That's Friday. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for your dreams tonight. It'll be even worse. <laughs> Steph is a fawn. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, someone actually said I look like Mr. Tumnus from Narnia, so oh. I'm a fawn too. No. Oh, um, anyway, where do I meet people, I guess? Um, no, where do you meet women that you are interested in dating? Or where, where do you oh. go? when that special urge steals over your loins. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I've met um I've met a few at the bookstore. I've met a few um at like coffee shops. Um I've met a few through people. Uh I don't know. I'm not I I I am not really shy. I mean, you know that. So usually if uh, it doesn't I'm not really too concerned where I am if uh So yeah, so you can go up to and 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 talk to women, right? 
Right. And so uh, what is your criteria? And I think I can guess this, but we might as well be explicit. What is your criteria for a woman who's worth your time to go up and talk to? <laughs> um, usually it's physical attraction. Okay, so you say usually. Can you tell me a time where that was not the case? Um, no. <laughs> okay, so when we say usually, we mean always. Always. And that makes sense, right? I mean, because otherwise it wouldn't be a problem that you need help with. So. Right. Okay, so um, when you see a woman who is, like, let's say you see a woman who's reading a newspaper, the right side up, and, uh, uh, or, or is reading a book that you consider to be somewhat challenging, it's not like C-Spot Run or whatever, right. or a book that you've read and enjoyed and so on, and she's not, again, we're not talking uh, some you know, monster heifer who's 350 pounds, but we're talking about somebody who you know, just may not have inherited the wonder figure of Barbie or whatever, um, and, and your, when you, when you would think about, when you sort of picture it in your mind, going up to talk to that woman, what are the emotions that go through your mind? Um, it's a, it would probably be like a, a bittersweet kind of thing. And, um, like you're lowering yourself, right? It, yes, yes. Okay, okay, and um, because uh, in, in a book that I wrote, uh, which I'm still sort of preparing for publication off and on, uh, I talk about a beautiful woman who, and, and she says, you know, she, she wanted to put her beauty to work for her like a glistening slave, and I've always kind of liked that phrase, right? But, but we view beauty as a sort of coinage, right? And so to date a woman who is not physically attractive in whatever her classical or stereotypical sense, it sort of feels like you've got a PhD in economics, but you're taking a job in Starbucks, right? It feels kind of like there's something fundamentally wrong and humiliating about it. Does that sort of make sense? Yes. Like, yes. I should use my beauty to buy beauty. And if I spend my beauty on non-beauty, I'm debasing my own coins, right? Yeah, I can, I can identify with that. Right. Okay. And so the question is, what is it that you want to buy? Because I'll tell you this. If you bypass the beauty prison, and you go for quality, your beauty, your own beauty, can buy you even higher quality. I see, I see what you're saying. Kind it's of, like uh, converting your fiat money to gold, right? Because <laughs> there's inflation, right? But, but if you say, because a woman who is not conventionally physically attractive is not used to guys coming up and talking to her, particularly not good-looking guys, right? Right. So you can use, and look, the beauty is a coin, and we can't sort of pretend that it's not, right? But you, if, if you spend beauty on beauty, then you're not buying happiness, and you're getting a one-to-one -one return on investment. Yeah, you're get, yeah I, that's an interesting perspective, yeah. But if you spend beauty on non-beauty, you get a huge multiple in terms of your return on investment. Very true, very true. So you can use your beauty to buy even more happiness. Now, it's a risk, right? Because if the woman is only interested in you because you're attractive, then you're not going to be happy either, right? Right. Because if she then goes out with you because you're attractive, then she places such a high value on attractiveness that she herself has issues. And also, of course, what will happen is she will then become jealous. Yeah, I, can, I, I see what you're saying. Right, so again, you want to spend wisely, but it's important to understand you've got this coin called attractiveness, which will get you into more doors than if you weren't, right? And if you spend it wisely, you can get an enormous return on investment for that. 
but if you spend it foolishly, then it actually is worse than nothing, right? It's worse than, than being ordinary looking or even unpleasant looking. That's a, that's a pretty neat perspective. I've never even Every heard that before. Come up with one. Every once in a while. <laughs> so, so you've got this coin. You can't pretend it's not a coin. And you want to invest it as wisely as possible. And basically, if you invest in beauty, you get a thrill. And it's like you take your million dollars down to the casino and you walk out empty-handed. And that's a good metaphor. <laughs> Whereas if you invest it in a solid, sensible savings account or you know, whatever, right, then that is going to grow over time and, and you will get a great return uh, uh, on that, right? Because, of course, I mean, I know that you're young, but, and for men it's a little different than it is for women, but, of course, um, the coin does have a devaluation, right, which is that we all get older, right? I know that seems shocking to you, but just from my side of the fence, it <laughs> uh, uh, apparently does happen. So it's a losing investment. <laughs> for sure, if, for sure it's a losing investment. investment. Yeah, it, it is absolutely a losing investment over time. And if you, if you really focus your efforts on finding somebody of quality, finding a woman of real quality, you know, physical appearance, it's not like you've got, you've got to date someone who's repulsive to you. Like, I mean, nobody's talking about that. But it's about uh, lowering the bar in terms of that which is inconsequential and actually kind of destructive, right? Because... A woman who focuses enormously on her own appearance is not going to be somebody that you want to, to get married with, right, and settle down with and have raise your children. Because the process of not only aging but parenthood is, uh, is, is an, is an ugly, it's a physically ugly process, right? The woman, she, she has, I mean, a woman's figure is never the same after she has, she has a baby and it's particularly after she breastfeeds. I mean, she's going to just, you know, droop like the Dow. And uh, uh, so it, it is a losing proposition. You're going to have less time to exercise, uh, less time to be active. You're going to be eating more on the run. People often gain some weight after parenthood. And, and uh, you know, f your, your good looks do you nothing at 4 a.m. when the baby's, as I say, awake for the third time, right? There's nobody there saying, ooh, how hot he or she is. You know, I'd love to get her number. You don't get any of those ego thrills when you get into the realm of, of, of parenthood, right? And your kids, of course, don't particularly care especially when they're very young, how good-looking you are, right? So you, you enter into a situation based on looks where looks no longer have any coinage. And in fact, if you're dependent on looks, you will end up far more unhappy than if you had never taken that investment. It's, uh, it's weird because I always thought about the solution being, um, or like when I, th when I think of people who, uh, who, don't place that kind of importance on looks. Um, it always seems, I always thought it was kind of like um, the way you actually see things changes. Uh, not like, you know, not like a shallow hell kind of thing, but um, where you actually don't even get the desire or impulse when you see uh, someone who's physically attractive. Where it's kind of like um, you, you don't really get any kind of satisfaction from it you don't get the desire and that's what I kind of thought the solution was is that like as I grow as a person or um yeah it, magically you're gonna just find yourself attracted to nothing but virtue right right and that's what I thought like, it was oh you have boobs I didn't even notice right <laughs> right and I on like I think that's part of the reason I was having like such a such anxiety about it because I yeah, when's like, this gonna it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen 
right? It's never going to happen. I mean, that, but that's a Christian thing, right? To, to have a, uh, a goal that is impossible is one of the most destructive myths of religion, right? Uh, impure in thought and deed to think infidelity is to, is to commit infidelity. Like, I mean, just this thought police thing, right? That's something you've got to watch out from your childhood, right? Anytime you get a temptation to invoke the thought police, uh, you know it's coming directly from your childhood, right? And a really fucked up part of your childhood. Right. I yeah, and that's I don't know that I, I was, <laughs> that's why I kind of felt so hopeless about it because I because it wasn't changing and nothing I like could could possibly contrive would. No, would you change. can't, and you can't make yourself attracted to someone that you're not attracted to physically. You can't will that, and you can't have that as a standard. But what you can do is you can say, I'm going to get to know this person because he or she, he, she seems like an interesting person. I'm going to get to know this person. I'm not going to will myself to be attracted to somebody that I don't have that immediate sexual zing with, but I'm going to get to know this person and see what happens, right? As a, and as I said before, uh, neither Christina nor I were attracted to each other physically when we first met. Now, of course, I think she's the sexiest woman alive, but uh, we, just, we just weren't attracted to each other. We weren't each other's types or I don't know what, right? But uh, we just weren't attracted to each other physically. I mean, I noticed, like, oh, good-looking woman or whatever, right? But it was not something where I was like, you know, wow, you know, I, I must get to know this, this person because of X, Y, and Z, right? So we just met because I was getting a book published, and she was impressed by that. And she was uh, in psychology, and I was impressed with that. And we, we sort of went and chatted from there. And then after our second date, we never spent a day apart, right? So it's just about opening yourself up to getting to know someone and you don't say, well, if I can will myself to be attracted to this person, then I will go over and talk to her, right? It's like, oh, I'm not attracted to her. There's still something wrong with me. I'm broken, blah, blah, blah. That's not... Just say, well, it's around curiosity. Is this a person that I will be interested in getting to know? Now, you also have to be aware that your judgment may not be the best. And you may be, if you go up and chat to some woman in a coffee shop, you may be the most attractive guy who's ever shown interest in her, Right? And you have that backfire kind of thing you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Now that I have your address, right? Right. So you have to be uh, aware of, of boundary signal problems, right? Uh, and, and you can do that just by, you know, again, looking for people who look normal. I mean, fr- frankly, that's going to be your first right hint, right? Again, no eyebrow piercings, no tattoos on the forehead, no. <laughs> so that, like, you can go up and talk to somebody who is, uh, you know, reasonable looking and so on, and just be curious to get to know them, right? In the same way that if you saw uh, somebody reading UPB or On Truth or or, to, or the God of Atheists, that you might you might go up and talk to that person, whether he's man, woman, or foul, right? Hey, wouldn't it be ironic if? Uh... If I end up meeting a girl who's wearing an FDR shirt. <laughs> well, that's why we put the logo on the cleavage, which Christine objected to last night. But anyway. Very um, good. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's something. Just in, if you see a woman who is reading a book that you find interesting or reading a newspaper that you think is something intelligent or is reading a textbook or whatever, right? Then you just, I mean, if she's in a reasonable age range and looks you know, reasonable, then, then you just go up and talk to her. And it's around curiosity. It's not like, well... Why don't I feel sexual? You know, hey, you know, you're obviously smart, and I'm just I'm working my way up to trying to feel sexual attraction to you so that I can talk to you, right? I mean, that's not a reasonable thing to say to yourself or, of course, to somebody right. else. <laughs> but it's just around, I, this, this person seems intelligent or seems smart or whatever. I'd like to get to know this person better, not from a pure sexual standpoint, right? Again, you don't want to say this is somebody who's 90 or whatever, but um, it's just being curious. And then, of course, what happens is, 
right? Because it's your false self that runs the hormones, and it's your true self that runs the love, right? Yeah, I, and that's always been a challenge with me. Like, I, there have there has not been many um, times in my life where I've actually had uh, girls who were just a friend, like. Well, sure, but that, that's so, because you're over-sexualized too, right? And I, as I, I make jokes about that, but I've noticed that in the chat room too, right? Yes. That you have a, a sexualized, uh, an over-sexualized way of approaching women, right? Oh, for sure. And uh, like even when, um, like I, I, I do have, you know, like friends who are girls, <laughs> it's still not like that, you know what I mean? It's still not like a completely non-attraction well, it can't. I mean, it can't be. It can't be, right? I mean, to to say that I'm going to treat the woman the same as a man would be to say I'm going to lose track of reality, right? I mean, you can't. Uh, and women aren't the same as men, right? Otherwise, we'd all be bisexual, right? Women aren't the same as men, and it's more than physical. It's emotional. It's it's soulful. It's uh, it's the different brain skills that they have. I mean, we're designed to be complementary in many different ways, right? So, uh, again, don't have these un, un, sort of un, impossible standards. I had to treat my female friends exactly the same as I would, you know, guy friends or whatever. Let's play touch football, you know. I mean, that's not how, how things work between men and women. At least I don't think so. But um, uh, it's just around being curious and being open to, to let your heart, right, rather than your dick, do a little bit of the pointing, right? And your heart, of course, can only figure out the quality of someone in terms of conversation, whereas, of course, your dick is a divining rod for flesh, right? Which, which is going <laughs> to lead you off a cliff in the long run. Right, yeah. I remember that podcast, It Matters, where you point your dick. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good podcast. Right, having followed my own penis off a number of cliffs, uh, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to shout up from the rubble, right? Yeah, but this is probably the clearest I've ever um, had perspective with this, I, um, because I, I mean, until before now, I, I did think it was a uh, an actual change in perception uh, for the most part, and I, I don't know why the the whole curiosity thing es escaped me before. Um, well, and the family stuff, right? Because oh yeah, well, yeah. If you, if you go out in public, right? With um, uh, I remember, I, I mean, before I got married, I was dating a woman, and she was very. Uh, physically attractive, and uh, I, I remember uh, uh, when my boss met her, it's like, yeah, you, she walked in the room, I thought, hey, she's with her bodyguard, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of funny, kind of funny. Anyway. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm fine. Um, but uh, um, so, so, yeah, you, I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't get rid of all of that, but what the challenge is going to be for you in particular is that when you go out in public with somebody who is not as attractive as what you're used to and perhaps not on an even scale as attractive as you, the challenge that you're going to feel is that you're going to be very sensitive to perceived humiliation, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. And that comes not from the people in the present, but from your family in the past. And to some degree, your sister in the present, which is something you're obviously going to have to talk to her about. <laughs> Shit, man, even I've... I've thought that before. I, I've been out and I've seen couples together, and I've I've had that go through my head. Like, right? And the funny thing is, <laughs> this is the funny thing, right? And this is the very, very funny thing that occurs, right? Um, which is that look, we've we've all been there when some guy walks in with this, you know, total stunner, right? This is oh, this woman with this total hunkasaurus or whatever. But usually it's the other way around, right? Right. And we all feel a certain flash of envy, 
right? Because that is a sexual prize that is, you know, a high status and we're all biological creatures. And so there's a certain amount of envy. But, and I've, I don't know, I mean, I'm not going to sort of try and praise the physical qualities of ex-girlfriends too much. But when I've been on the receiving end of that kind of thing, it's, it's often that the relationship isn't going that well, right? So, of course, what happens is that these people look up and they go, wow, he's really, really hot woman he must be rich or whatever right, like he's right really, exactly really hot woman and then they go back to their meal with their average looking women that they're having great conversations with right but i've got to sit down and try and have a conversation with this retarded ornament right <laughs> like seriously they go back to their lives i'm the one who's got to sustain an entire evening's conversation with this person right so, they, like, for, it's not a really a good trade, right? Like, I get like, ooh, you know, they envy me for like three seconds and then they go back to their dinner and now I've got three hours of trying to make conversation with someone who is like the combined IQ of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I mean, I'm being oh, overly God. harsh, right? But I mean, I, <laughs> no, I, I never no. dated anyone that dumb. But, but uh, you know, so know what I mean. Like, like, we go for this flash of status and right. then they all go back for their lives and we're stuck with the permanent situation, right? No, I've actually, well, I've actually been there where when you said that you have to sit down and make conversation with, with your ornament, <laughs> I kind, of, I've been there. No, I, right. I, 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 it is funny to think about that. Right. To think no, about I mean, how I. Chia <laughs> pet hand puppets and try and have a good mime show, right? I mean, it just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, I guess I, I've been on both sides of the coin too. I've been the person who looks at the person and goes up, <laughs> must be rich or something, and. uh and, yeah, that's kind of funny you put it like that. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing, uh, you know, as men, right, man to man, there's nothing here <laughs> that we haven't all experienced. <laughs> and, of right. course, if we, when we look at, uh, um, if we look at a really attractive guy uh, who's with an average or, 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 you know, ugly woman, physically, I don't mean, again, not, like, distorted or anything, but, you know, just somebody who's not, you know, who's got that sort of bolt of cloth figure or whatever, right, then what we say is, doesn't he know how attractive he is? Or, or, yeah, or what's wrong with him. <laughs> or, yeah, or what's wrong with him or whatever, right? right? So what happens is, of course, and this is the weird thing that we all, we're all sensitive to this stuff because we're social creatures, but the weird equation is that he then goes ahead and has a wonderful meal with a woman that he really likes, right? Right, yeah. Right, so, so we sit there and say, what's wrong with him? And then we go chasing after attractive and vapid women because... We don't want people to think what's wrong with us when, of course, there's nothing wrong with him and everything with us, right? I mean, that's the funny part, right? We then waste time chasing after attractive women who don't have the substance to, to hold our attention, interest, or respect. And he, of course, then sails through life with a woman who is less attractive than he is, but he's having a great time uh, because he really loves her, right? So, I mean, it's just a weird kind of inversal of values. Like, we look down on people that we should be looking up to. Yeah, I. Ah, it's all it's all coming together much better for me because I know I bugged you about it in the past. And, I'm sorry uh, it took so long uh, to to get oh, no. with. Uh, I also wanted to organize my own thoughts a little bit, you know, for once. Right. <laughs> no, no, I I completely understand. But I, yeah, I did want to lay it on the table for you because I usually hit everything at least once. I mean, you got to it. Almost a thousand coming up now, huh? Yeah, well, it's over a thousand if you count the premium costs. But yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a chunk. That is true. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, like I, I, you've touched on it. You've hit, it, you know, you, you've hit it in little spots every now and again. And um, but I, I don't know. The big picture for me is never 
has kind of escaped me. And, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be weird now that I, now that I have some focus with it and I, I can kind of experiment with it and, um, hopefully I'll get somewhere. <laughs> just remind yourself that every time your eyes pass over a less attractive woman, you're just pleasing your parents. You're just obeying your parents, right? <laughs> no, seriously, that's, that's, that's a good motivation. That is exactly what is occurring, right? You are submitting yourself back to that little, shallow, appearance-based prison of the Jehovah's Witnesses and your parents. Your parents don't that want a... you to look at any but the most attractive women, right? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's going to be a great determinant. Uh, pretty much. I know you, based on your personality and um, what I know about you, there's nothing I could say that would be more compelling. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's their rule, right? It's their rule, and it's at the cost of your happiness, right? And so to obey that uh, is to obey uh, their uh, shallowness and what was so destructive to you uh, as a child, right? And you want to you wanna not reproduce that as much as you can. So um, was, there, was there anything else? I mean, we've obviously given you a fair amount to chew on. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, or do you want to have a listen to this and let me know what you think? Oh, I think I've lost him again. Oh, Ricky! Hello. Oh, sorry, you're back. Did you, did you hear? I was just sort of saying, if the, I mean, we've, we've got a lot to chew over. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in this topic, or um, do you want to um, talk with what we've got? Oh, no, man, this is... You've done more than enough in the past two days. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, that, I think that sums it up. I don't have anything on my mind that, at the moment that, that's relevant um, or even – I think I got plenty to work with, Stefan. <laughs> uh, how, do you, how do you feel about this as a, as a postable? Again, I think this is something that, that, that we all have. I mean just based on the cultural obsession with appearance, uh, this is something that is a fairly widespread challenge for people. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um. Well, the solution makes me happy. I kind of feel good about it now, because um, I, I I kind of had some like I, anxiety about it because I didn't know whether I should feel guilty or like I was having some uh, like I I was wasn't progressing because I wasn't seeing people because um, I was still having attraction issues and that kind of thing. But oh, uh, sure, yeah. and so um, I like I felt I don't know I felt like something was wrong with me or I, I wasn't making the progress I should be or I was stuck somewhere and uh I should so, being pure thought utterly above the physical right right exactly and so I feel a lot better that that's not so much the case but it's more of my my own capacity for being curious and seeing what happens that kind of thing right okay well that's great um do you, would you want to have a listen to this do you feel okay with it as a as a podcast I mean what are your feelings or thoughts about it no go ahead publish away I really appreciate that. And, of course, keep me posted on, on how it's going and uh, let us know how the chat with your sister goes. Oh, for sure. I'm going to have to relay a lot of this to her. Well, it'll be a she, podcast. I, you can hear, right? Exactly. It'll be perfect. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Stuff. Bye-bye.